Good morning, church. It's my privilege to be here, to be able to share the Word of God with you. I'm so thankful for the entire leadership team of Cross Life. Pastor Doug, thank you so much for this, opening up your platform for me to share. Uh, I know what happens to the heart of a pastor when someone else takes his podium to speak to his congregation. So uh, I want to assure you, you will not have to do much correction afterwards. Because we are following the word of God. Uh, I was, ever since I received uh, Kelsey's uh, email about GIC, I was wondering what this 2201 uh, uh, colon, semicolon and 8 means. And uh, Pastor Tim just explained in very brief words. Oh, I meant X18. So... Beginning from Acts 1-8 this morning, I would remind the words of the Lord himself. He said, when the Spirit of God has come up, when, when, the Spirit of, uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and you will be, there's a whole magic in two-letter word, you will be, be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and India, uttermost. Unfortunately, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for the West, Western church misunderstood. Mission means India, China, or Africa, uttermost. What we fail to understand is mission begins with Jerusalem. Jerusalem is people within your immediate proximity. People that you can touch, you can relate to, that you are connected with you, that are within your physical reach. Your Jerusalem could be your unsaved mother-in-law, your unsaved father-in-law, your unsaved teenage daughter or son, your brother that's messing up, your sister who's who's living, whose heart is crushed, living a life under so much distress, your immediate proximity, the people that are in your immediate touch. If we did that, the stats of the United States will not be uh, 10 to 20 years, 28 years age group in the United States has only 4% Christians in them right now. We used to have 58 years and above, Americans have 68%, 65% Christians. So from one generation to the next, we see 61% drop in Christianity in the United States. If we reached out to our immediate Jerusalem, our immediate people, we will not see this decline in faith. We would have taken over the world by, by now so far. So uh, to unfold what it looks like, I would like to present before you the character, a study on the life of Barnabas. Barnabas is one of my favorite characters in New Testament after Christ and after several others. <laughs> he appears in book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 36. He was a Levite, period. Barnabas was a Levite. 
Thank God for this description. It has so much meaning packed in it. All we know about Barnabas is, for his act of benevolence in next scripture, which is verse 37, what Barnabas is known for is, he is known for having sold entire possession he had and having brought it to the feet of apostles. When we read that scripture, we easily overlook saying, oh, you know what, I'm not Barnabas. I can't do that. That's okay. We always know Barnabas for his act of benevolence, for his act of generosity, his courage of selling everything and bringing to the feet of apostles. But when I look at it, when I look at verse 37, in light of verse 36, I see a different thing. He was a Levite. It was illegitimate for a Levite to possess a real estate. We go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, and Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 through 32. All the 11 tribes could legitimately possess piece of land. But for Levites, there would be no inheritance. It was illegitimate for Levite to possess the piece of property, possess the piece of uh, uh, real estate. And Barnabas was a Levite. It means if he had any property, if he had any, uh, any real estate, he possessed that illegitimately, illegally, for Barnabas to sell everything and bring that to the feet of apostles was not an act of benevolence for him. It was an act of repentance. This is where Christianity begins. Christianity begins with repentance. Repentance is not a one-time deal. We just don't say, Lord, I repent for my past sins and now I'm a Christian and for, uh, for, uh, uh, march forward. Repentance is a walk of life. Repentance is a daily life. Repentance is like breathing. Repentance is a lifestyle living that, that is lived in repentance. A Christian, a true Christian is a person that lives in repentance. Repentance is not merely feeling sorry for what we did and continuing to do what we did. That's not what repentance is. We have, uh, we have two great examples of wrong and right repentance. We go to a story of uh, King Saul in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, what we read there is, he disobeyed God. King Saul disobeyed God in not destroying everything after the battle. He was supposed to destroy everything. But he chose some fattened animals and brought it. He actually wanted them to be offered to God in worship. That was great motivation. But this motivation was uh, birthed out of his disobedience to God. When uh, Prophet Samuel comes to him and reminds him of his disobedience, in chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. See, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Now he goes, unfolding the reason 
for his disobedience. He tells, describes the reason why he disobeyed. He says, I was afraid of the people and so I gave into them. That doesn't sound like church. Involved in so many things, in so many indulgences, just because what will others say? We just live often a life of compromise just so people are not offended. Saul says, I repent, I have sinned, I have violated. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. But now, prophet, you come with me. Now Samuel said, no, I will not come with you. He was expecting Saul to prove his repentance through his act of repentance. But King Saul says, when Samuel was not willing to go, then he says in verse 30, Saul replied, I have sinned. Of course, I have sinned. This sounds like a modern day Christian. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Worship the Lord of your God is just an excuse. You just come with me. So people will not see, they will not feel I have committed a sin. We just want to look good. King Saul just wanted to look good. He was not as careful as what God would think about him. Come back, not because I need your blessing. Come back, not because I turn away from my sin. Come back with me for no reason other than I should have nice, pleasant appearance. We just don't want a bad name. That's it. We can grieve God, the Holy Spirit, to our best. Just that we don't want a bad name. And live a life that would just please people. This is what a, uh, an act of repentance of soul was. And we know the favor of God did not come back to soul. He was rejected in God's eyes. He was, he was appreciated by, by people. Prophet goes with him. People hail. Oh, everything is great, good, fantastic. But God was not impressed. Do we care for God to acknowledge us, his children that walk in obedience? That is repentance. And when Barnabas sold everything, and brought to the feet of apostles. He's saying, I have repented. I repent. And now on, I live a life of repentance. King David committed, suicide, uh, committed sin. The sin of King David was very far heinous than the king of Saul. But he said, forgive me. I have, I have sinned in sight of people. I have sinned in sight of you, oh my God. Forgive me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and take not your Holy Spirit away from me. For assignment, you, you may go back and read Psalm 51 that he wrote in repentance. And God forgave David. He received his forgiveness 
Because his repentance was not to become consumer friendly and just look good. His repentance was to turn away from his wicked deed. We do not have his sin repeated anymore afterwards. That's what repentance is. Barnabas, life of Barnabas starts with repentance. And then he goes forward. He was known as son of peace, son of consolation. We are often titled for what we do. Oh, he's funny guy. Why they call funny guy? Because he's funny. As long as you're around, around him, you keep cracking in laughter. He's funny. Oh, he's such a brilliant guy. Why they call him brilliant? Because he's not dumb. So he, he, he proves his brilliance, so we call him brilliance. So brilliance, funny, or man of encouragement. People called him son of peace because he would bring peace in the lives of peace. He would take the hearts, he would take the shattered hearts, he would take the shattered spirits of people, and he would just pull, put them together and make them uh, encouraged. After having spent time with soul, people will go back rejoicing. This is what he was. He was known for what he did. That was encouraging people. It's very important for us as we talk about discipleship. Barnabas is a great disciple. Now we come forward, a little bit fast forward, uh, looking at Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. Here we have a very interesting case scenario. Saul was persecuting the church and God got him in his grip in an encounter at the horseback. Now Saul truly repented, was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit and was a legitimate Christian. But when he came to church, the disciples would not receive him. The disciples would not trust him. They thought this man might be acting. He's trying to sneak in to find out about the church so can, he can go back and uh, meticulously plan and attack the church system. So disciples were not talking to him. Imagine yourself going in a church for fellowship, and everybody like uh, looks up, looks at you, and kind of uh, se- uh, separates from you. And uh, you uh, you smile and uh, stretch your hand to shake, and they say, "Oh, get away!" H- how much motivated you will be to keep going to that church? This is what was happening to Saul. He would come, and people will just uh, side away from him. Nobody would want to have anything to do with him. Nobody trusted him. Nobody believed him. Disciples, the early church, did not have faith in his conversion. And here, his conversion was so tangible, he had met the Lord in a personal encounter, falling from the horseback, staying blind for three days, and then being healed. Very, very dramatic and very obvious and tangible conversion. The church would not believe it. Now Barnabas tunes in. He took this man back to his home. If you 
want to become a burned bus in the life of somebody, trust him. Love trusts all things. Barnabas took Shaul in his house. This was his gesture of trust, oozing out of love for this new convert. If we just did that, churches will be full to the extent there's no place to sit. If we begin to trust in people, if we just begin to love them and demonstrate our love through trusting in them, through trusting in the positive qualities that those people may have that are hidden under the sin. Barnabas trusted him, brought him back his home. He risked himself. You cannot disciple somebody without risking yourself. Discipleship is risk. He risked himself. He was willing to lose. We cannot be a disciple to somebody if we are not willing to possibly lose. We are not willing to possibly be betrayed. A disciple, a disciple making maker must have many, many scars at the back being stabbed. If one does not have any scar at the back, he probably has not been discipling enough. He put himself at risk. He put his family at risk. He put his children at risk. He put everything that he was left with at risk. Christianity is all about putting yourself at risk. The moment we put ourselves at risk, we have complete assurance of security of Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus himself. We cannot gain that security of the Lord without first putting ourselves at risk. Barnabas did it. And then, Barnabas spent time with him. And uh, then, he came back to the apostles. And he stood at a, as an advocate before apostles. He advocated for him to the apostles. Hey, look, Guys, he is a man. His conversion is genuine. It's legitimate. I have confirmed it. I have spent time with him. I have prayed with him. I have shared his scriptures with him. I have had fellowship with him. I have heard him. I have listened to what he had to say. I have, I have uh, discerned his heart and inner being. I, I find him okay. He is a legitimate converted guy. Let us accept him in the fellowship. He became his advocate before before the apostles and he was taken on board but then what happened he goes out to Tarsus is that what we call it in English Tarsus, Tarsus, how we call it you get them by now now Barnabas after Paul left for Tarsus Barnabas missed him you miss the one you love I love my family, I miss them. He loved him, he missed him. Not only he missed him, spending time with him in private, he probably understood how much Shaul needed Barnabas. Making disciple or discipling somebody else means 
understand their need and understand your role in their life. People need you. They're hurting, bleeding, dying on the Jericho Road. They need you. We need to be able to understand their pain. And then Barnabas decides to set on a journey. He sets on a journey, goes to Tarsus to find out where this man is. Discipleship is go after the person. You need to follow after the person that is in the need. Barnabas was not in the need. It was Saul that was in need. But Barnabas was following him wherever he is. He knows he is in need of me. There are so many people that are in need of you. So many people that you are only the answer to. There are so many people that are hurting. And only you can be an answer in their life. Only you can be the answer. Possibly you are the only agent God has in his plan for those that are hurting. When you will close your eyes, those faces will pop up before you. As on a screen. Discipling somebody means. Reaching out of your comfort zone. Reaching out to them. Get that teenager guy. Ask him hey come on. Even if you are 50 plus. Come let's go for a concert. I'll buy you tickets. On the way back. Get him a good nice dinner. Send him back home. Don't be religious. Just dance with him. That's what it is. Buy a hurting man a coffee. Reach out to somebody when he's not expecting you to be in his life. That is what is being a witness. In his life, when he is in need of you, he is not going to call upon you. The passion on your heart should Get you out of your, uh, out of your comfort zone. Should drive you out to reach to this person. This is what being Barnabas into life of somebody means. He reached out to Saul. And then what happened? They came back to Antioch. And they spent whole year in Antioch. It was long enough time for Paul, Barnabas to be able to disciple Paul. But... Paul says, hey Barnabas, we have planted many churches, let's go and visit them. Barnabas says, okay, let's go. They say, Mark, come come with us. Paul says, no, Mark, no way, this guy, he deserted me. In Acts 13, 13, Paul was going on, Paul wanted to go on a journey, and this John Mark, he did not, he returned to Jerusalem, he came back home, he left him. So, Barnabas says no. He's homesick. He's young. He gets easily discouraged. But I still want him on the team. Paul says no. I want iron men. I want strong steel people. Strong, stiff. I don't want this guy. He might desert me again. So Barnabas and Paul are head on against each other now. To the degree that they decide to separate, part the company. Paul goes with Silas, and Barnabas comes back with Mark. For Paul, task was important. For Barnabas, hurting man was important. Above the task. 
he took John Mark, came back, and began to work in his life. But before that, there's one more major dynamic that I would see in the life of Paul and Barnabas. Earlier on, it was Barnabas and Saul. Acts 15, Acts 12, 25, Acts 13, 2, and Acts 13, 7. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas was the team leader. Saul was the disciple. But later we see the driving, driver on the driving seat change. We see Paul and Barnabas. Acts 13, 46. Acts 13, 43. Acts 15, 35. It's all Paul and Barnabas. A leader giving his disciple his driving seat. Let him be in charge. That is what discipleship is. I see so many great men, great preachers. Very impressive. With one question. Where is their Timothy? And if I see somebody with a bunch of Timothys, I have comfort in the leadership. But when I don't see Timothys, only lone rangers, my heart questions. In my own ministry, I had exit strategy. This mission that you have seen, we started in 92. I was already in ministry for 10 years. Last year, we completed 25 years. And I gave back the movement God gave me to him. All the leaders I raised and trained, I have put them in charge of the whole ministry, entire ministry. They are on driving seat. If I had to micromanage it today, I would be a total failure. But today I'm ready to go home. Because entire movement is owned by the people that were raised in this movement. Being Barnabas to somebody means give your stage, give your position, give your authority to your disciple. Let him be on the driving seat. That's a huge value. And we forget about everything else. Paul did great things. Right from Jerusalem to Illyricum, he reached out entire region, filled it with churches, so much so there was no place for him left to preach the gospel. In the end of his ministry, Paul was house arrest. He knew his life is, has come to end. Everybody had left him. All the companions, they departed from him. At one point of time, he was all alone. And now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 11, he says, send Mark to me, for he is of much use to me. Same Mark that Paul parted company from. Same Mark, Paul did not agree to have Barnabas with him on journey because of this Mark. In the end of his life, he says, bring that Mark to me. Send him back to me because he's so much use of, of so much use to me. Why? Because he knew what would happen to Mark. What will Mark become having been in fellowship with Barnabas? Because he had been in fellowship with Barnabas. John Mark, 
a complete throwaway became of somebody of much use to Paul. Paul repents and brings him, calls him back, invites him back. I would like to pray for the church, if you would so, uh, so will. I would like to pray for you this morning. Very brief prayer. But we would leave a reminder to you. If you become Barnabas in someone's life, if you are making a disciple, you are in obedience to the great commission of the Lord in Matthew chapter 28. And great commission ends with a great promise of the Lord. I will be with you. I will be with you. If you are a discipler, if you are in obedience to the great commission of Christ, he is going to be with you. He is going to be with you when your family is hurting. He is going to be with you when your business is hurting. He is going to be with you when you are tired of carrying your situation forward. He is going to be with you when your future is insecure. He is going to be with you when people are against you. He is going to be with you when you are under threat. He is going to be with you when your medical conditions. He is going to be with you when your dear ones are hurting. They are in pain. They are struggling. And you are not able to take them forward. You are not able to release them or bring being a relief to them. He is going to be with you in every situation if you are only in obedience to the great commission of Jesus. Let's pray. Would you mind rising to your feet? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for this chosen generation, uh, generation of yours. Thank you, Lord, so much for this royal priesthood. Thank you so much, Lord, for the church that you have, you have shed your blood. You have purchased with your own blood. And I, Father, thank you that we do not belong to, you, to ourselves anymore. Even the falling hair of our skull doesn't belong to us. But, and we have been but at a price, God, I pray that you will take control over every detail of every situation of everyone under the ceiling. And Lord, I pray that we will become disciple makers. We'll become a burnbus into the life of somebody. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. The church said amen. Amen. You know, as Pastor Rob was talking, you know, it all started with Acts 1-8, didn't it? That when you receive my Holy Spirit, power will come upon you and you will be, you will be. I love that. That's, you're right, there's power in two letters. You will be. It's not, you, you may want to be or you, you might think you ought to be, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under most parts of the world. And, you know, for us today as we think about this, you know, to be a Barnabas, to be someone on mission, it takes time, right? People take time, amen? And sometimes we get weary of that. For Barnabas to pour into Paul, as long as he poured into him, it took time. And for us to be a Barnabas, for us to be on mission, it's going to take time. Time that you don't think you have. But listen, being on mission, you don't have time not to be on mission. The cause that we represent is way bigger than our own personal agenda. It takes time. It takes talent. You know, we all, whether you think it or not, you know, some of you listen to Brother Rod preach, you go, man, I wish I could preach like that. Or you hear these guys sing, oh, well, I wish I could sing like that. Listen, we are all part of the body of Christ. We all have a gift that God has given us to be used to advance his kingdom. And it takes that talent to be used to be on mission. But it also takes not only our time, our talents, but it also takes, guess what? Our treasures, right? It takes treasures. It takes 
finances to do missions. In fact, for us at Cross Life and the Oviedo campus and the East campus, we don't do small mission offerings all throughout the year. We have one big one, one big one that we try to, to fund all the mission projects we do throughout the course of the year. And today's that time to think about what is your pledge? In fact, I was thinking earlier today, the goal for us at Cross Life is $400,000. Now, when I think about that, that's a lot of homes, right? I mean, it's a lot of money. But you know that if everybody here at Cross Life East and everybody at the Oviedo campus, everybody together gave $133, we would bust that goal wide out. And you know what? why that goal is so important? Because it gives us opportunities for people in other countries to be a Barnabas to somebody else. It gives us a chance to maybe us go and be a Barnabas to somebody. It gives us a chance and our youth a chance to go that have never been and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to do two things for me today. I'm going to ask you to pray. Number one, pray about is God calling you and leading you to be on mission for somebody. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it is your Jerusalem right now. Maybe there's someone you know that lives down the street from you, and you just like, like Pastor Rod said, you just need to take them out for a cup of coffee. Or you may need to take them out to something that you need to build a relationship with them. Or maybe it's the uttermost parts of the world. Maybe you feel like, maybe I need to go to an India. Maybe I need to go to an Africa. Maybe I need to go somewhere. I'm going to ask you just to simply pray, God, what are you doing in my life about missions? But I know Pastor Rod told me this backstage, and it really just has kind of wrecked me a little bit. He said this, people will never go to the uttermost parts until they first go to the Jerusalem. Amen? Come on, amen? If we're not willing to walk across the street, how dare we walk across the world? Right? Mission begins with our Jerusalem. And so I'm going to ask you today, there's no real pressure today, but I'm going to ask you today, you're going to have these little, these little cards that maybe you received when you, when you got here today. If not, they're at the end of the rows. You can ask them to pass them down, or you can get them at the end. It's basically a pledge card, and maybe you want to give a one-time gift to your Global Impact Conference toward missions at Cross Life, or maybe you want to make a commitment to give over the next 12 months. It doesn't matter, but we're going to ask you to take that out, and later, a little bit later, uh, when the offering bucket passes, you can drop that in there, or you say, you know what, Doug? I need to take this home and pray with my wife, pray with my husband, pray with our kids, but we're going to bring it back tonight at the Oviedo campus as we wrap up Global Impact. I'm going to ask you to pray about that. And here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to take your already tithes that you give and take something away from that and give to missions. Listen, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It does. It's his. 10%. It's his. This is an offering. This is above and beyond that. And so I'm going to ask you to pray about that. Okay? I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and think about it. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to pray again for us. Take a moment and just think about that. God, what would you have me do with my own life as far as missions, but also maybe giving to missions? What would you have me do? Now, here's what I know. The answer is not nothing. You can't leave this place and at least go, I need to go across the street to my neighbor. You can't leave today and opt out of being on mission. Not a choice. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be his disciples. You will be his witnesses. You will be that. So I'm going to ask you just to pray with me. God in heaven, I love you. I thank you for today. I pray for us, first of all, about our own mission field. God, what do you have for us? There's some in the room today that maybe you're, you're, you're nudging them for full-time Christian ministry. There's some in the room today that maybe you're nudging them to go to, go to India, to serve alongside 
Pastor Rod. Or maybe you're leading some to go serve with Thrive Ministry or, or with Jim uh, down in south uh, uh, Florida, witnessing to the Jews or, or to serve with a Bridges Ministry. Maybe, some, I don't know, Lord, but you're nudging someone that way. Or maybe you're nudging us to walk across the street to our neighbor. God nudges somewhere. I do believe what Pastor Rod has said is right. We will never go to the uttermost parts until we first start with our Jerusalem. So God, would you wreck us in that? Would, be a, would we be a church that really is an Acts 1-8 church? When I think of Pastor Rod's church and all that's happened over there, I think that Acts broke out in India. That what we read in Acts has happened in India. And Lord, quite frankly, I want it to happen in America. And specifically, I want it to happen in Orange County through Cross Life East. I want us to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. But it starts with us going to our Jerusalem. So God, break us and wreck us on that. And then, God, I pray for people today that as, they, as we sing this song and they pray about what could they financially do, Lord? What could they give that would help us reach that goal so we can create and build a church in Haiti, so we can support missionaries, so we can send some of our teenagers who've never been on a mission trip to go and to pay for most of the trip? God, will we consider today what is our part financially to give to missions? to send and donate so the gospel of Jesus Christ could truly reach the ends of the earth. God, as we sing this song, would you just kind of help us make that decision? Would you help just maybe put a number in our heart? Would couples maybe kind of hold, hold hands and just say, what do you think? And may we just kind of come together today. And may you put that number in our heart and may we be faithful to give it. Lord, we love you. And we do give you our hearts today. We do give you our, our energy, our effort, our enthusiasm, and our finances today. And as we sing and as we celebrate you, may you work in us. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we sing, just pray. Pray, God, how, how do you want me to go on missions? Is it across the street or is it across the world? God, how do you want me to give? Is it one time? Is it, is it for the rest of the year? What do you want me to do to be part of your work of kingdom work? through this church. So just pray about that.